All right, today is the last Sunday of 2021. Can you believe it? Uh, I don't know about you, but to me, it feels like this year has just flown by. Um, and usually, right, this time of year, that's when you kind of do some reflecting, right? You do some thinking, looking back. Uh, maybe you start thinking about resolutions for the new year. Um, and so when you look back on this past year, what comes to mind? Do you look back on this year with a sense of fondness? Uh, or maybe it was a year to forget. Do you feel like it was a year of progression where, yeah, you made some real personal strides? Or was it a year of regression, however you want to define that? Are there things that you wish you could do over this past year? Or things that maybe you could do better? And when I look back at, at 2021 this past year, um, there's a lot of things that I find myself grateful for. Um, but I also come away thinking, man, life's hard. Life's rough. Um, it's not easy. And as Christians, we're, we're not immune from pain um, and brokenness, right? Um, if I can be a little bit vulnerable um, with all of you, uh, about three years ago, um, I began having uh, fits of depression. Uh, before that, I had never had a depressive episode in my life. Um, you know, I mean, I get sad, right? We get sad about stuff, and, um, but it's kind of within that typical range, you know, of sadness uh, and grieving for, for a given situation. Uh, but now, like, I have these bouts where... Um, the best way I can describe it is like it's like a heavy fog. It feels like this weight. Um, and it's not even necessarily connected to something sad that's happening in my life. Um, it's like this just melancholy. Uh, I don't know if any of you can relate. And it just kind of takes over sometimes. Um, and it like paralyzes me. By God's grace, um, it, it's not a frequent occurrence. Um, and for me, when it happens, it's never for more than a few hours. But I find myself asking God, God, what is this? You know, I'm not supposed to be depressed. You know, I have my basic needs, but I have a good job. Um, I have, you know, income, save money. I haven't experienced any real trauma in my life or abuse. Uh, I'm surrounded by family that loves me. I have friends that love me, people in this room who care for me. I'm, I'm, I'm too spiritually mature for this. Right, why am I struggling with this? I, I shouldn't be struggling with this. Um, but this past year, it's something that I've been really wrestling with and, and struggling with. And I find myself asking, yeah, God, God are, you, are you trying to show me something? Are you trying to teach me something in this? Um, and so going back to the question I asked you, uh, looking back at this year, what were some trials and adversity you endured this past year? Where did life disappoint you? Where did life frustrate you? 
Where did things not work out? How you thought they should work out? Or when did hardship come? It because of your own sin. Did you have to cope with tragedy this year? Unspeakable pain. You lost a loved one. Were you ever anxious or afraid or lonely or misunderstood, depressed? Why are we talking about this, right? Why are we talking about this? You know, yesterday was Christmas, and um, you know, let, let's end the year on, on a happy note, right? Why are we talking about depression and, and pain and, and tragedy and loneliness and disappointment? Um, you know, I get to preach, I get to, get to come up to the pulpit maybe once or twice a year, you know, when Rand takes a break, some of the overseers come up here and preach, uh, and, you know, we get to usually preach whatever is on our heart, you know, um, and, and when I knew I was going to be preaching today, I was praying and asking, God, God, just, what's on my heart? Like, like what am I thinking about, and what's something that you want to address? Um, and I think what I've noticed, and what God's been been showing me is that I have seen how hardship undermines the faith of God's people. I've seen how pain and suffering affect people's faith. And I've seen after me being a Christian for over 20 years that it can shake my own faith. As an overseer, um, and not even as an overseer, just, just as a Christian. To me, there's nothing more sad um, than seeing someone distance themselves from God. More than seeing someone sick or, or lose their job, which is bad, which is, is heartbreaking. But more than that, nothing is more sad than seeing someone who grew up in the church run away from God reject God. And this message, I want to make clear, it's not just for, for you who are sitting here who are like kind of wrestling with doubt and, and you're kind of teetering on this edge of belief and, and unbelief and, and really having a hard time, but it's also for you who are on fire for God. Because no one is beyond backsliding. I'm sure you've seen this. Uh, I think most of you are familiar with this um, deconstruction movement happening um, in Christendom right now. Uh, if you haven't heard that term, deconstruction, uh, it's basically, quote-unquote, Christians that are deconstructing or abandoning their faith. Um, but they're making it very public. They want to make sure the whole world knows uh, that they're running away from God. And I have, I have opinions about that, but this sermon is not about that. Um, but I bring it up because, you know, no one decides to wake up one morning and, and decide to be apostate, right? You know, Judas, Judas Iscariot in the Bible, he was really excited to follow Jesus at one point in his life. And so I don't want you to underestimate your flesh. I don't want you to underestimate Satan. Okay? All of us are capable of struggling. All of us are capable of backsliding. 
Don't ever be so spiritually proud that says, oh no, not me. I'm too mature. I know too much. I know the gospel. I think we always need to have our defenses up. We all have spiritual blind spots. And those blind spots, uh, they have potential to grow when they're suffering or hardship or disappointment in our lives, right? And God knows this. God, knows, God, God is keenly aware with the human condition. And that's why th- this idea of perseverance uh, is a major theme in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, this idea of persevering, um, it's repeated throughout the scriptures. And that's what we're going to talk about today, um, this idea of persevering. Um, the title of today's uh, sermon is Perseverance of the Saint. It's, <laughs> I don't mean to be deceptive. We're not going to get into Calvin or Tulip or uh, for those of you who are theologically minded, but we're going to talk about perseverance um, and what we can do uh, to remain strong and firm in our faith heading into the new year. And so we're on the verge of a new year, right? Um, do you have a plan? Do you have a plan to persevere in your faith in 2022? I think sometimes we just kind of float, right, through, through life, and we just kind of exist. And, um, you know, for everything else in life, right, we're, we plan and, and, and we do research and, um, and we put effort and time in. But I think sometimes when it comes to our faith and our spirituality, uh, we don't have that same kind of alertness and, and planning and initiative and so as we think back to the things that we struggled with this past year and how we coped with those things, whether we coped well or, or not well, uh, I think it behooves us uh, to come up with a plan to persevere well uh, next year. And so we're going to approach this call to, to persevere with just four simple truths. Uh, it is a, a four-point sermon if you're taking notes. And so uh, we'll start with number one, okay? Truth number one is this. Hardship will come your way. Okay, I know we just talked about this, but hardship will come your way. Uh, let's look at some place in the scriptures where it talks about this. First Peter 4.12, Apostle Peter says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. In Psalm 34.19, says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That means, Christian, you will be afflicted. In John 16, 33, Jesus says this, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's not really a need to spend a lot of time on this point, right? Um, It's not a matter of if hardship and trials will come. It's a matter of what, when, and how they're going to come. There'll be times where your own sin leads to hardship. Uh, There'll be times when someone else sins against you, and that'll lead to hurt and suffering. And sometimes just we live in a broken world, right? We live in a fallen world, a sinful world. And just by living in this world, we'll encounter pain. And trials, 
they don't always look like how you think they're going to look. I think sometimes, I think I've said this before, we have like this romantic picture of sanctification, right? Especially when we're like in a really good place or a good season. You're like, yes, God, bring on the trials, right? I'm ready. Sanctify me. Sanctify me for thine glory, right? And then something completely out of left field comes that you never saw coming. Something hits you. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait, God, wait. You're supposed to pick the trial from my recommended list of trials. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't know, getting the wrong change at Target or something, you know? Not depression. Where'd that come from? But don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when trials come and they're not the trials you had in your mind. Uh, God rarely works like that. Okay, don't be surprised as though something strange were happening to you. Okay? So that's the first truth. Obvious. Hardship will come your way. Expect it. Okay? Expect to be disappointed. Expect to suffer. Expect to be let down. Truth number two. God helps you when the trials come. God helps you persevere with his presence. God helps you persevere with his presence. When we're going through hardship, when we're going through suffering... I think sometimes we wonder if God has abandoned us, right? Uh, Psalm 18, 6 says this. It kind of puts that lie down. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. What a comforting thought it is to know that God, God in heaven, he hears our cries. Our words never fall on deaf ears with God. Now, the way he responds might not always be in line with what you want, what we want. Uh, but God is never not there. God is never not there not knowing. Okay? He hears our cries. He's always present. And Joshua 1.9 says this, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In the New Testament in Matthew, Jesus says this, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? And this is, you know, a very kind of basic Christian truth. You know, God is always with us. You know, you've heard it probably a million times at church. But I want you to consider what that means, that God never forsakes us. Even in the biggest trial, even in the greatest hardship, God is with you. And we say, God, where are you? God, where are you? I can't feel you. When you're thinking those thoughts, okay, I want you to push back against those lies because that's coming from Satan, that God is not with you, that God doesn't care. And stand on truth, 
that God is present always. He's always in your midst. Have you ever had um, just like a bad day, you know, a bad week, bad month, a bad, bad year, maybe a bad season? And it just seems like everything is going wrong. Everything is bad. Like, you just feel like you're in this, like, a pit of despair, a valley. And, and, and you just come to this conclusion, at least I have God right now. God is here with me. It feels like, man, God is the only good thing that you have. Everything is crap, but I have God. And that's actually not a bad place to be. Uh, Jim Carrey, <laughs> the famous theologian, <laughs> no, Jim Carrey, the actor, <laughs> he said this, he said this, this is really, this is really awesome. He said, um, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that's not the answer. I'll say it again. I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of, like a problem-free life, so they can see that that's not the answer. If you have everything, if you have comfort, just an easy life, no problems, you have everything, but you don't have God, you are worse off than the person who has nothing but has God. If you have everything but not God, you are worse off than the person who has nothing, who's in a pit, but has God. The Apostle Paul uh, reminds us in Romans uh, that nothing can separate us from God. Nothing can separate us from the salvation that we have in Christ is binding. Let's look at Romans 8. I love this passage. We read it this morning. Think about this uh, when you're in a trial, when you're in a valley. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you're in distress, remember that God is with you in the hardship, that his love is binding, not because you're awesome, not because you're a great person, but because he has chosen, he has chosen to love us, and he's made a covenant with us. 
you've put your faith in Christ, nothing can separate you from that love. Nothing. And there's going to be days when that's all you have, when life sucks and nothing's going right and everything's crashing around you and all you're going to have is God. That's not a bad place to be. It's actually a blessed place to be. Truth number two, God helps you persevere with his presence. Truth number three, in perseverance, God is perfecting you. In perseverance, God is perfecting you. So something is happening in those trials, okay? Um, It's not just, oh, man, just my life is hard and these things are happening and and God doesn't care. Uh, There is purpose. Uh, There is meaning in trials, in pain, in suffering. Uh, Let's look at Philippians Paul says this, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That those of us who are mature think this way And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Uh, If you were here uh, last week, um, Pat preached on Philippians. uh, And he was talking about uh, the the city of Philippi and how uh, the Philippians kind of placed a high regard on on status and uh, being kind of high up the social ladder, education, um, and... You look at somebody like the Apostle Paul, who before he became a Christian, he had all those things. Uh, if you look earlier in this chapter, uh, he talks about just his, his status and his pedigree. Um, he was kind of the elite of the elite when it came to, to teachers, uh, when it came to Pharisees. And when he found Christ, or when Christ found him, and he became a Christian, he gave all that up. That status, that prestige, the power, he gave it all up. And he says, that's trash, that's rubbish compared to what I have in Christ. And he's writing this letter, Philippians, as a lot of you know, from prison. Right? So, I mean, here's a guy, like, like he's up here, right? Just in terms of status and recognition, and achievement, and all those things. And now he's in prison, and he's got nothing, right? But he's saying, that's trash compared to knowing Jesus. Christ Jesus has made me his own, right? In Paul's trial, right, God is perfecting him. God is making him more like Christ. When Christ takes a hold of you, you're being perfected. The trials and the hardships you're going through 
They're not for nothing. It's not bad luck. You're being perfected in those things. And when you suffer, when you suffer for Christ's sake, right, you share in his suffering and you become more like him. And so there's something happening in that suffering, okay, in that trial. You're becoming more like Christ. In James 1, it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Again, right, your hardship is not meaningless. The testing of your faith is producing a steadfastness, right? and that steadfastness is leading to perfection, right? where you lack nothing, where you're becoming like Christ. And it's crazy because James here says, you should be happy about this. You should count it all joy when you're facing trials. Right? And that just seems so like, like backwards because I count it all joy when I don't face trials. Right? That's when I'm the happiest, when just life is good and life is easy and just I'm cruising and you know, I'm getting a raise at work and my kids are behaving and... Um, you know, no, no drama at church, and right? Um, but it's kind of like this weird reversal thing where it says, no, no, count it all joy, right? When you actually face trials. Um, and, you know, there, there's like the analogy, like, like of working out, right? Um, where, uh, you know, when you work out, it, it's hard, right? But then there's fruit of that working out, right? You get fit, you get healthy, right? Um, and it can get to a point where that going to the gym becomes a joyful thing, you know, where you look forward um, to that hardship. Why? Because you see the result, right? You see the good that it produces. And so, man, how do we get to that place, right? I think that's where we should aspire to, where we can consider hardships as joy, and, and there's no way that the world can, can explain something like that if you can express joy in your hardship because why? It's making you more like Christ. And that's an awesome thing. So truth number three, in perseverance, God is perfecting you. Okay. Last truth, truth number four, there is a reward for those who persevere. There is a reward for those who persevere. Romans 8.18 uh, says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. The sufferings of this present time, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you went through, it's not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. Right, whatever suffering, whatever trial, whatever injustice, whatever pain you experience in this life, God says they will pale in comparison to what you'll receive. The payoff will outweigh the cost. Uh, I used to be um, somewhat of an avid cyclist. <laughs> I am clearly no longer an avid cyclist. 
um, but maybe again in the future. Um, but several years ago, uh, I signed up to uh, participate in this, this organized bike ride. It's a 100-mile bike ride. Um, and there used to be a, a, a race that the pros did here called the Tour of California, like the Tour de France, right? And for a few years, there was a thing called the Tour, uh, the Tour de California. Um, and one of the, uh, the segments of the race for a while was um, here at Baldy. So you would start down at the bottom, and then you go up to Baldy and, and kind of go around. Um, and so the day before the pros did, did their ride, which I think on a Sunday, um, they opened up that same course the day before on a Saturday for, for anyone who wanted to do it, for amateurs. Um, and so uh, I signed up <laughs> to participate in this ride, me and a couple of friends. A um, hundred mile bike ride and, and the peak, the peak of the ride, right? The high point of the ride is literally and figuratively the top of Mount Baldy. Okay, I know there's some hikers in here. Uh, hiking Mount Baldy is really, really hard, okay? Imagine riding a bike <laughs> up to Mount Baldy, okay? So it's a hundred mile bike ride, okay? They call it a century. Uh, and doing a 100-mile bike ride, like on, even on flat ground, is like really hard. Like 100 miles is a lot, right? Um, but 100 miles going up to Mount Baldy, um, like I can see the pain on some of your faces. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, and so for something like this, you got to train, right? You got to obviously train. Uh, you can't just hop on your bike and be like, oh, maybe I'll ride 100 miles today, you know, and then go up to Mount Baldy for fun. Um, so I, I trained. I trained, but I did not train enough. Um, and I knew as the day of the ride was approaching that I was nowhere where I needed to be uh, for this ride. Um, and there just wasn't enough days left now at this point where I knew that I can kind of get the strength and endurance I needed um, required for, for a ride like this. Um, but, you know, whatever, right? I, I, I signed up for it, I paid for it, you know, and, um, and so the day of the ride comes, and I'm really excited, right? Because at that point, you're just, there's a lot of people there, and you're just going off adrenaline at that point, and, uh, and the ride starts, and I'm feeling good, you know, feeling good, it's a nice day, and um, I'm staying with the pack, and it's all fun, and, uh, and then the ascent starts, the ascent starts, and five miles into the ride, five of a hundred, <laughs> I hit a wall, right? Um, if you run or something, right, there, there's a thing called a wall, right, in, in like sports or athletics, you know, where it just, you just can't go anymore. Uh, my, my legs are aching, my chest is like on fire, um, I'm already at the lowest gear on my bike, but it feels like I'm pedaling in mud. <laughs> Um, and everyone is just like whizzing past me, you know, like this 70-year-old grandpa like goes past me, and I'm just like so tired and so dejected. I just, I just pull over kind of on the side of the, the mountain, uh, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to go back. <laughs> I don't care if I paid for it. Like, like I'm just going to go back. I'm going to ride back to the starting line. Uh, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to go pick up a pizza, and I'm going to go home. <laughs> um, and then one of my friends who was doing the ride with me, he, he, he noticed that, oh, where, where's Jason, <laughs> you know? Uh, like, he was way ahead. Um, 
And so he, he came back down to where I was, like, man, what a guy, right? He came back to where I was, and, and he's like, hey, what's wrong, man? Uh, and I just said, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm toast. Um, I, I can't go anymore. Um, and I, I, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. I, I know I didn't train enough, but, you know, I'd, I'd been riding for a while, and I was, like, in okay shape, and I didn't think it was going to be that hard. And, and, like, I don't even care at this point if it's humiliating. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to quit. Um, and I knew he was going to say, like, no, don't quit, man. Like, don't quit. Keep going. And, and, but I, I, like, made up my mind. Like, I'm going to ride back down and get that pizza. <laughs> like, like, I'm done. Um, and then my friend looked at me. And he didn't, like, yell at me to try to, like, kind of, like, pump me up, you know, or suck me up. And, or he didn't call me, like, a loser to, like, appeal to my ego, you know, guys do. And um, uh, he put his arms around me. And he's like, don't give up, Jay. Don't give up. Just keep going. Uh, one foot in front of the other, one pedal in front of the other. Um, I want you to do this. I want you to look 20 yards ahead, just 20 yards ahead, and find an object, uh, a tree, a sign, uh, like a fence pole, and just make it your goal to get to that object. And then when you reach it, do it again, 20 yards and if you need to take a rest, you need to take a break, take a break. Drink some water, rest a minute, and then go again. I looked at him and I was like, but pizza. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Um, I looked at him and I said, okay, man, okay, I'll keep going. And 40 days later, I got to the top of Mount Baldy. <laughs> <Just laughs> I'm just kidding. Eventually, I got to the top. I got to the top. I got to the top. And coming down that mountain, right, there's a famous road called Glendora Mountain, or GMR, that some of you guys know. It was glorious. Like, it is still one of the most awesome things I have ever experienced. Um, just coming down those switchbacks, like, gravity's doing all the work. <laughs> it feels like riding a roller coaster, but you're controlling the roller coaster. It's just such an awesome sensation, right? I know some of you are cyclists in here. Um, and the suffering, the suffering on the way up, it didn't compare to the glory riding down. It was worth it. It was 100% worth it. The suffering was, at the present time, yeah, was not comp worth comparing to the glory of riding down that mountain. It was awesome. Um, and I think that's, that's a good perspective um, to have when it comes to yeah, the, the hardship and the suffering that we face. It, it, it sucks, right? right? And you want to give up, you know? But know what God, God's word says. God's worth is there is there is glory, and it is not even worth comparing. Like it's not a a fifty fifty thing. Like it, it it blows the suffering out of the water. It blows the trial and the hardship and the injustice out of the water. Uh, James one two says this. Let's keep kind of looking at this idea of. A reward. James 1.12, sorry. 
It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. 2 Timothy 4 says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown, again, this idea of a crown, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. God will reward your perseverance. It's a promise. God will reward your perseverance. Uh, th- this crown that's talked about in these two passages, um, right, you're like, oh, a crown. It's like, what do I want a crown for? <laughs> you know, like, so, so lame. Um, uh, but this crown is uh, what athletes would receive, um, this laurel wreath, right? Uh, at, uh, if they won their event, I would receive this laurel wreath. Um, so that this idea that, that you would receive this crown and that the life that it talks about is eternal life, Okay, and so the reward, right? This crown of life. Okay, it's not like oh, I go to heaven and I get a harp and a crown. No, no, no. The the reward, okay, the glory, is eternal life. Okay, the crown of life, the glory, is eternal life. That is the reward. The reward for those who persevere is eternal life. And if you've been a Christian long enough, right? right now, well, you know, I'm saved and I, I know I go to heaven and I have eternal life. Have you ever stopped to think about, like, eternal life? Like, I feel like we just gloss over it, like, I go to heaven and eternal life, right? Have you ever, like, thought about, like, eternal life? Like, what better reward is there and etern- think about what you can gain in this world, in this life. Money, status, popularity, material possessions, prestige. Like, how's that going to hold a candle to eternal life? Right? The Bible says that stuff is, is going to rust up and get destroyed. Not going to last. Eternal life in a new heavens and a new earth where sin and evil is done away with, where all the wrongs in this life will be made right, where you can enjoy the company of God and his people forever. You know, the, the, I'm 42, um, and, you know, I, I think... As you get older, right, you just kind of think about your life. And um, <laughs> every day you're just kind of closer, you know, to the other side. And, um, man, like, when you're 20 and you're, you're in your 20s, right, like some of you guys are in your 20s, like, you feel like, like, I got forever to live. You know, I'm, I'm indestructible and I eat french fries all day and I'm buff and it doesn't matter. But, like, I don't know, I, I, I'm 42 and now I'm just like, oh, man, I'm kind of like halfway and maybe <laughs> if I'm lucky. Um, Stop eating pizza. Um, but, yeah, like, what, what is there better 
an eternal life with God, right? The things I used to care so much about when I was younger, the things I strived after, the things that were idols in my life, the things that just were so valuable to me, right? It doesn't matter. I want eternal life. Sometimes we think about, oh, but like heaven, like I have so much I want to do. Like I have a bucket list, you know? Man, your bucket list when you get to heaven is going to be like a bajillion times better than your bucket list here on earth, okay? I promise you, right? Whatever you're, you know, I want to go to Paris or like I want to go to Iceland. Um, I mean, that's cool, right? But just, man, like don't like so, so much into this life. Like just think about how awesome heaven is going to be and God is going to be there, right? It's not clouds, okay? You're, it's going to be a place and, and you're going to have like a human form there, and you're going to interact, and you're going to work, but your work's not going to suck. Your work's going to be fulfilling, and you're going to hang out, and you're going to do things, and you're going to have hobbies, and, but it's all going to be awesome because there's no sin there, you know? And it's forever. You have forever to do stuff. You have forever to hang out. You have forever to worship. And so if you ever think about, man, I've been cheated out of life. Just, I have suffered so much more compared to my friends. I got a raw deal from God. I've experienced so much pain and trauma than her, than him. I feel like I'm always in a valley. Eternal life is coming if you persevere. Okay? And whatever you missed out on this life, okay, God is going to reward you with in heaven if you hang on. That's where we need to, to fix our eyes uh, if we're going to persevere. Um, last passage, 2 Corinthians 4, says this. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There is reward for those persevere. 2022 um, is going to bring hardship into your life. It's going to bring trials. It's going to bring struggle. It's going to bring depression. It's going to bring pain, maybe even tragedy. Hardship will come your way. But remember, in that, God is there with you. Okay. And God is helping you persevere with his presence. And also in that perseverance, in that trial, it's not a waste. It's not meaningless. God is doing something. God is making you like Christ. Do you know how awesome that is? Again, that's something I feel like we gloss over. Be like Christ, be like Christ. Christ was the perfect human. He 
It's what God imagined when he created us, that we would live like that, in that way, that we would love God and love people. God is making you like Christ in trials. I know we have like ambitions and we want, and some, we want to do great things, right? And we want to have a meaningful life. There's nothing more meaningful than being like Christ. There's nothing more impactful than being like Christ. Because when you're like Christ, think about what you can offer people. You can offer people salvation. You're a conduit of salvation. You're a mouthpiece of God. And finally, there's again a reward for those who persevere. When you feel like giving up, when you feel like, you know what, this, this Christianity stuff, not for me. Think about what's there for those who persevere to the end, okay? That reward of eternal life, okay? It's not how we start. Um, it's how we finish, right? That's, that's kind of the, the old cliche, and I think that's, that's accurate of our faith journey. And, you know, whatever happened this past year, however you, you fail to be faithful, um, every day God's mercies are new. And then next year God's mercies are new. And it's another opportunity uh, to persevere, to persevere in our faith, to stand firm, to be the people that God designed us to be, to glorify God. Um, and that's my, that's my hope for us uh, individually and, and corporately as a church, uh, that we would be those people. Let's pray. God, we we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is stained by sin. We have been the recipient um, yeah, of pain and we've been afflicted and, and also sometimes we cause the affliction and we sin against others. Um, and God, sometimes, yeah, we, we, just, we just get tired and we just don't want to do it anymore. We just don't want to run the race and we just want to turn to the world and find other ways to self-medicate. And, um, but God, we know those things are empty. Those things are empty cisterns. They don't satisfy. They don't quench our thirst. It's only in you, God, that we find our purpose and our identity and where our destiny is secured. And so, Lord, would we be aware that when hardships come, when struggle comes, that you would give us the resolve 
to persevere, to look to Christ, uh, and to remember um, that we have a Savior who understands our hardship uh, and our struggle, and that we could look to him as an example of steadfastness, of obedience, and trusting you. And because of that now, God, Jesus is seated at the right hand. And so um, help us to look to Christ, God, uh, when times are hard, when the trials are difficult. We thank you, God, for giving us your spirit. We can't do this on our own. We cannot muster up the strength or, or, or even the desire um, to hold fast, to persevere, to be strong, to be faithful. Um, but because we have you, God, because of your presence, uh, we can. And so, Lord, I pray that you would leave this place uh, operating out of the spirit and not the flesh. Uh, we thank you, God, for loving us. We thank you for saving us. I pray that our salvation truly, truly uh, would be the greatest treasure in our life. We thank you, God, for this time. We thank you for this church. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.